Good evening and welcome. This is Eroticism's weekly podcast. My name is Kevin, the erotic photographer, and I am your host. Tonight, I apologize. I don't have a special guest, and I'm not going to go through the whole spiel about the magazine and all that. What I want to talk to you about is kind of off the wall, and as the end of another year approaches, Christmas just three days away for us Christians, and everybody busy with getting ready for that. I understand that it's hard to get somebody committed to do a a 30-minute podcast, if you believe that. Um, But I want to take this time to give thanks. No, it's not Thanksgiving, but I still think that Christmas time and with the new year coming, um, this time of year, I think it's good to give thanks. And I I want to give thanks to all of my listeners, all of you out there here on the podcast. Thank you to all my followers on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And thank you to my promoters who help with tweeting and retweeting and posting of my content and truly helped to promote the magazine. And a very special thank you to my models over the last 14 years who came and made the magazine possible. Some like a Lizzie Sanseth, Regina Dore, Sabrina Lords, my baby girl, and, and Crystal Diosa. Just to mention some who have been not only present for so many years in my professional life, and these four in particular for making my personal life so special. There are some top names of models who came along in the last few years uh, that really added to the impact of the magazine, like Agatha Vega from Venezuela, who, after appearing twice in the magazine, went on to shoot with Vixen in black. She's now in Europe, and she's doing really well as a porn star, a mainstream porn star. Tanya Virago, that sexy Russian model who, when we first met and started working together, she was on her own as a content creator with her own website and, uh, and selling you know, her content on her own. And there were other top models too and porn stars over the years like Sandra Sturm from Germany, Lauren Pink, uh, the Polish farm girl who turned into a, a porn star and then later went back to the life as a, as a Polish farm girl. One of my absolute favorite ink babes from Dusseldorf in Germany, Katie Blair, and let's not forget that top fitness model, Andrina Fonseca, another Venezuelan, Venezuelan girl. Um, first time in the magazine this year for the Ink Girls edition. <clears throat> and Lizzie and I, we still chat on WhatsApp or we talk on the phone on a regular basis. I help her with her website sometimes. Um, and, and I stay in touch also with Regina Dior, who even comes up here to see me where I'm at. I consider Regina um, and her family, her daughters and, and her sister, um, absolutely my best friends in real life. I know Regina's entire family and I've shot not only her, but I've shot her sister for a modeling agency and her daughter for her sweet 15. And Alicia and I have been through so many things over the past seven years alone. Besides shooting, we've, we have, we've traveled. Uh, when she moved away from where my studio and I were located, she used to come and stay at my, my studio loft on the weekends so we could work together. We'd go out to dinner, we had dinners, we hosted swinger parties at my home. Um, not that we were swingers, not that Lizzie and I were a couple, although everybody in the world thought that because Lizzie and I, we did events together, we did magazine interviews together, we did um, radio shows together. We, we did so much together, everybody thought that, you know, Lizzie and I were a boyfriend and girlfriend, but we never were. We were just really good, good friends, and she used to stay at my house on the weekends so we could work, and we had dinners, and we, we hosted parties, and, 
And uh, even at 1 a.m., I was giving a photography class, a lighting class, uh, to all the all the swingers who were shooting their own content, you know, whether with cameras or with their cell phones or whatever. And Lizzie wasn't the only one who I have shared my personal space with over the years. There were so many who came to me when they were thrown out of their home by a parent or a boyfriend. They had nowhere to go. Uh, or I lent money to those who couldn't pay their child's tuitions or pay their rent or their mom's rent or whatever it was. You know, if you listen to my beginnings of the podcast, you know when, when I had my studio in Manhattan, I had a loft in an old warehouse in the heart of the prostitution and drug area of Manhattan. Now I made that loft, it was, a, it was a big space with big windows facing out onto 30th Street, West 30th Street. And I mean, I made that my, my living space as well as my, my working space. And that studio loft became a place for the working girls to come in and get warm in the winter time or to cool off in the summer. And like in Mexico, there was always hot coffee, cappuccino, espresso, or even a cold drink available in the studio loft for whoever needed it or wanted it. My grandmother, God rest her soul, always told me. And my, my grandmother was from Scotland, and, and as was, you know, as was my, uh, my, my, well, my grandfather was German, but they met in Scotland, and it's a long story because of the war and all that. But my grandmother always told me, we are indeed our brother's keepers. We need to always lend a hand, helping hand to those who need it. And yes, it has come back to bite me in the ass quite a few times. Recently arrived in Cancun 26 years ago, I had a young guy from one of the marinas, he came to me and he asked me if I could loan him money to help his sick brother. And I did, and, and he paid me back, you know, in short time, like when payday came around. And the next time he asked for money, he asked for more money. And of course, I helped him out again because he had paid me back. But the second time I lent him the bigger sum of money, he left Cancun and never came back. So, you know, that was just my first lesson, uh, you know, dealing with people who ask for money. In Mexico City, I had one of my models who called me up and said her stepfather had kicked her out with the clothes on her back, so I told her to come. I had little to offer, but she came and, and we started sort of a working life together. In the end, I had to ask her to leave because she had stolen my Ray-Ban sunglasses, my cellular phone from me, and, and, and I won't mention her name because we, you know, we still talk and, you know, um, she still uses the, the material that, that we did together. She loves the material that we did together. So, I mean, out of respect for her and, and her out of respect for me, we don't talk bad about each other. But another girl showed up on my door when she arrived from a, a, a state, you know, 12 hours, 13 hours away by, by bus. And she came with a baby claiming that he was my son, which I believed he was because he looked just like me when I was a baby. I took, of course, I took him in and, and it was before Halloween and, and you know, after Christmas had passed um, and we were passing what they call the Three Kings Days here, you know, the, the, the Reos Magos, which is the, the story of the you know, three kings who came bearing their gifts and all that stuff. And that's the day really in Mexico and I think in all of Latin America that the kids get gifts because the gifts are coming not from Santa Claus, but they're coming from, um, you know, they're coming from the three, the three kings and they were called the magic kings. And here around that time, uh, you'll, you know, you can see that time of the year in January, you can see, you know, the guys dressed up, you know, like we get Santa Claus dressed up. These guys were dressed up as the, the three kings and, you know, they would, uh, you know, the black guy, the white guy and so on and so forth. So, but, you know, and as soon as that passed, she took, you know, $5,000 that we had stored in the, 
in the house and she left without saying a word while I was out on a location shoot. So maybe I just have sucker printed on my forehead, I don't know. But I would do it again. And even with the people who have hurt me along the way. For example, the girl with the baby, she stays in touch with me, she sends me messages. And oddly enough, she even has sent me messages asking for money. Um, you know, sometimes to pay the babysitter, sometimes for this. But later on, she claimed, you know, that the kid wasn't mine, that it was just a scam. So I appreciate her honesty in that respect. Now, if you think I haven't experienced living on the street, as I, as I did, you can't understand. I, I should say, if you haven't experienced living on the street, as I did, you can't understand. There was a short time before my career actually started taking off and I started actually earning money to pay uh, a high rent in Manhattan and to, to get new equipment and to start building around my business. Um, I was living in my car and I was fortunate that I knew the manager of a grocery store in Manhattan and he allowed me to park in his parking lot at night with the gate closed and locked for my protection. And I think once you have the, you have, you, I think once you have to feel being alone, cold, and hungry to really empathize with the people that we see today. And I can tell you right now today, today as this podcast has happened, if it was not for a good friend right now, I would be homeless in a third world country because of what happened to me at the end of 2019 medically, then COVID, and then no documents to work because I didn't have the money to renew my documents because of COVID, there was no work. And, you know, so they took me and my girlfriend and my dog, they took us in and they lent us their cabin, which is where I'm at right now, to use. And they pay the, the, they pay the internet, they pay the water, the gas, the electric. And yeah, I do work for them around the, uh, around the house. You know, like I take care of their dogs and um, I manage the day-to-day -day household stuff so they can focus on work. And my girlfriend helps with events and things and I help her with translations and what have you. And I even shoot their corporate stuff. But without their kindness, without their empathy, I'd be homeless and without a car and living somewhere on the street in a country that has no support system for people like me, you know, a, a foreigner living in Mexico um, and homeless, or I, should, I shouldn't say a foreigner because foreigners living in Mexico on the street, homeless, is common. They're typically from Central America. What you don't typically see in Mexico is North Americans, you know, like uh, US, Canadians, or Europeans stuck in a place like Mexico living on the street because typically we have back home, what, you know, what we call, where we call home, we have uh, an infrastructure of family and friends that, that can help us out and get us out of the situation. I'm unfortunate that I don't have that, that pleasure. I don't have that, that infrastructure behind me. I'm a guy on my own. I'm out here, you know, and I've got nobody. So, you know, I'm fortunate that they're not family, but they are my family. You know what I mean? It's like, you have to imagine that these people took me in and I mean, they're, they're like, if I had children, they'd be like my son's age if I had kids when I was in my 20s, you know? And, and they take me in and, they, and I don't want to say they care for me, but they care about me, you know? And they make sure every day that I'm okay. They make sure that I, I have food. They make sure I could buy them, that I could buy my medication and stuff. And when I had my stroke and my heart attack back in, in, 2000, in 2018, they were the ones who got me to the doctor. They were the ones who got me, got me tested and all that stuff. So, and 
This time of year around the world, north of the equator, you know, if you live in the US, you live in Canada, or you live in Europe, it's cold. And so many people after COVID around the world are suffering. And believe me, even 10 pesos or 50 cents here in Mexico goes a long way. I learned in these two years how to survive since my stroke to survive with $50 a month, a thousand pesos. And before COVID, even after my stroke and heart attack, I was able to continue doing my social media work for my clients. But once COVID struck Mexico, it came to a standstill. There, everything closed down for 18 months and so did the income. One day, not long ago, maybe two or three months ago, a guy on Clubhouse, which is another type of social media, it's a, a chat type of social media. There's no video, there's no texting, there's nothing like that. And he called me a privileged white boy. And he, and he was white, but he called me a privileged white boy. And I was offended because I don't believe I, I was privileged at all or am I privileged today. Nobody paid my college. Nobody lent me money to get started. I worked my way through college, working nights as a paramedic, an EMT paramedic on an ambulance for the St. Vincent's Hospital in New York. I worked there at night so I could go to school during the daytime. And I was blessed by a sequence of events. I, I was blessed by that sequence of events that, that helped me in the beginning and through connections that I made, you know, during my first months um, out, out of school, work started coming in. I traveled and I worked and I met so many interesting people. In, in 2019, about a week or two before my story, this is, this is just like a side a side story. <clears throat> About two weeks before, a week before my stroke, I was shooting with two models at a private location in the mountains that belonged to a Mexican filmmaker, a friend of mine. We were, we were all having breakfast in the garden in front of the stables. It was him and his wife, his, his grown boys, um, their girlfriends, and my two models, and I, we, we had set up tables, well he had his people set up tables, and. They made a spectacular breakfast for us, and we were all out eating, out eating there. And, and uh, he and his wife sat down next to Andre and I, and he leaned over and he said to me, you know, Kevin, you're blessed. You have a gift. Everyone you meet loves you and wants to be near you. There, there, there we are in the spectacular location where we shot ghost, you, you've seen our ghosts, and maybe seen some more ghost down pictures from uh, the Halloween issue, the Old West, uh, town and naked horseback riding, which you haven't seen yet, and the luxury sports cars and all this. All this was his, and he was on the premises. Um, he has a hospital with surgical suites, a 30,000 square meter spa uh, built on three levels. And, and in 2018, we shot a couple episodes of the Netflix show, The Pilot, and La Piloto. Um, he's got 177 horses. He's got camels, llamas, reindeer, Siberian tigers. The property spreads out and up about two square miles into the mountains. And he's the most humble person you could meet. His wife is, a, is or was a TV actress and, other, and his other family members like nieces and stepdaughters were models and are models. He doesn't drive a fancy Mercedes, no BMW. He just, he just drives a, well, he drives a Ford Explorer. I mean, that's a nice truck, but it's, it's, you know, not trying to show off who or what he is. And, and as I'm moving back to the U.S., um, Texas in particular at the moment, I, I have so many fears 
you know, what about medications? What about the cost of medical? What about the cost of medication? What about the new surge of COVID cases? But I have faith in myself, I have faith in people, and I believe in 2022, and it will be a spectacular year for the magazine as well as for me personally. Years ago, I moved from New York City to Brazil, then from Brazil back to New Jersey, then from New Jersey off to Mexico. So, I mean, I, I, I've been accustomed to changing my life at a moment's notice. So I make my return to the U.S. after living 26 years outside of the U.S. And it's a little nervous because here the cost of medication is very inexpensive. The cost of living is very inexpensive. Um, if you're working, you know, if I had an income from the U.S., I mean, and I wanted to live in Mexico, if I had a constant income, I mean, I could live, live like a king there. But after 2016, business sort of dropped off and things didn't start working out. So, um, and I'm not whining. I don't, want, I don't want you to think that I'm whining and I'm not going to drag this out. But, I mean, I just want to get out. Thank you to everyone. Thank you to all of you on, 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 uh, on the podcast here, to my promoters, to my models. I know some of my models. I know some of my promoters listen. Um, and thank you to those I, I couldn't mention. I do wish you all a very happy holiday and a happy and prosperous new year. 2022, I hope, is spectacular for all of you. And I hope you are blessed with love and money and happiness. So for now, this is Kevin, your host, theoretic photographer, saying good night and good sex.